Greetings, amigos. This is Mike from Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. I am joined this week, as every week, by my lovely, lovely co-host, Kyle. Kyle, this week, it's worth noting, is hosting his last episode before his nuptials. When he will no longer be Kyle, he will be Kyle. So we're very excited around these parts. He's got a list together. I don't know what the hell it is, but I'm pumped to hear what it is. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to debate it vigorously. And then I anticipate by the end of this episode, we will have a definitive top 10 list. So K-Dog, what's this week's list? Okay, Mike, you are absolutely correct in saying this will be my last episode as fiance Kyle, and I will soon be husband Kyle. As you might expect, this has been on my mind quite a bit lately. So in the, in the spirit of the season, we are going to be doing. We're just gonna we're just gonna lean into it and do it real quick here. The top ten weddings or wedding centric pieces of pop culture that I like, and we're we're gonna talk weddings. You know, I didn't want to guess in my opening because I wouldn't want you to guess one of mine. I had a feeling this might be a, a, a fertile area for us to uh, to explore. So I'm glad this is where we're going with this. I thought about it, and I was like, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't, and then I thought, maybe I should. It seems too easy, and then I started putting the list together, and there's more here than I thought there was, so I think we'll have a, 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 enough to talk about here, so. Yeah, I'm I'm totally sold. I haven't really thought too hard about the rules. It, it doesn't necessarily need to be the actual wedding. It could just be a, a work that is wedding-centric or has to do with a wedding. Mm-hmm. Or even an engagement, perhaps. I don't know. So we'll, okay. we'll, we'll feel it out as we go. So can I just ask, uh, I think I've got a clarification. So let's say fictional characters, Kyle and Allegis are getting married on a television show. Would I be comparing that episode that focuses specifically on their wedding to a movie, a, say a romantic comedy that is called Kyle and Allegis's wedding? But it's not just about the wedding, so we're not comparing like the wedding scene to wedding scene. We're comparing movie about wedding to episode. Yeah. On okay, and those those are sort of ranked together. Pretty much exactly. Yeah. Okay. Ex- precisely. Okay. So it's funny you mentioned romantic comedies mm. because number ten is a film. Not sure if you've seen. I've actually not seen it, but I know it's quite famous. It's called My Best Friend's Wedding. You know, I literally, uh, so right, I, if, I'm sure the viewers have figured this out by now, but when one of us hears the topic and doesn't know, we just kind of start typing furiously. I'm sure you can probably hear it sometimes <laughs> to try to get our thoughts down. So my best friend's wedding was one of the first things I wrote. I also don't know anything about it. Here's what I know about it. <laughs> All I know is that it just came into my head, but I know nothing. Exactly. I, I feel like that's everyone's relationship with this movie, at least at our age. Yeah. Or if people younger even know what it is. It's Julia Roberts, I believe. And mm-hmm. yeah, it is according to the internet. Yeah, and the and the plot is much it's pretty much what you'd expect from a marriage rom-com. Basically, her best friend is getting married, her her dude friend, she realizes late into this process that she's actually in love with him and needs mm-hmm, to marry him. Of course. Him. Yeah. It's like a pretty standard rom-com plot setup. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a delight. You just hear it bantied about a lot, and it, it's literally just called My Best Friend's Wedding. It has wedding in the title. That's a huge plus. Also, it has Dermot Mulroney, who 
is one of those interesting actors. Uh, this is such a weird generational thing that I know is going to happen to us too, and it's going to be weird when it happens to us. But I watched that. Uh, I watched the new girl episode featuring him. So he's the fancy man who just dates for a little bit. Oh yeah. And I watched. I yeah. And I watched it with my mom, and my mom was like, "Oh my goodness, Dermot Mulroney." And I'm like, "You mean Jess's older boyfriend?" Yeah. And she's like, no, I mean, Dermot Mulroney, he was a heartthrob from the 80s and 90s. And I know this is going to happen where one day I'll be watching something and like Anna Kendrick will show up and I'll be like, oh, my God, young Michael, Anna Kendrick, you know, from up in the air. And who like, you mean the crazy aunt from like six kids and a cat reality <laughs> show? I'm like, what? It's Anna Kendrick. I'm not looking forward to that. And at the same time, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm curious. I just want to know who that's going to happen with. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to being the older guy in the office that, like, quotes movies and is like, oh, that's, like, from this old movie, and then no one knows what you're talking about, and suddenly you've yeah. become the old movie buff that knows all mm-hmm. the old movies that we currently don't know. Yeah. I'm looking forward to taking that role. Uh, I just want one last data point on my best friend's wedding. Oh, my goodness. So Rotten Tomatoes has this as a 73%, which in the rom-com sphere is crazy good yeah that's wow that's the stratosphere of rotten tomato romantic comedies yeah i love it all right i think that's a worthy number 10 yeah that's number 10 number nine is a wedding from the seventh installment of the harry potter franchise it's bill and fleur's wedding at the Mm. beginning of deathly hallows i big fan i particularly love this wedding mostly because of the look it gives us into the Weasley's home and family life, mm-hmm. as well as it's it's just fun to see Harry, Ron, and Hermione like really behaving like adults outside of a school setting. And obviously, it doesn't end in a great way, but it's a nice, like, calm kind of happy moment at the beginning of a book that's full of pretty pretty much not happy moments all the way through. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I also think it's very fun. It's fun for us to meet Xenophilius Lovegood, who has existed off screen for a little while here. Uh, and then to meet him is, is very, very charming. I also like meeting Aunt, Auntie Muriel. Indeed. Which is, which is really fun, even though she's the worst. And then we also get to meet, what's his name? Oh God, what's my brain is Daedalus, not Daedalus Diggle, who's, Dumbledore's friend who's also at the wedding uh, who defends him from the terrible sm- uh, smear job from Rita Skeeter. I actually don't know. Oh, well, whatever. My brain is failing me right now. We'll get, we'll be corrected quickly, but it's a fun chance to meet a bunch of characters that Harry wouldn't normally meet because he's incognito. Mm-hmm. So I really like the scene. So like from a scene perspective, I'm totally with you. It's really fun. But then from a, like a wedding and romance perspective, it's awesome yeah, because it's, it's the culmination of a relationship that we've come to really like and which is really proven at the end of Half-Blood Prince mm-hmm. where like that scene where Fleur is like, what do you mean leave him? Like, I love him. He's he's going to be my husband. What do you mean like, he will not love me anymore? Yeah, she's just like she so misses the point in such a beautiful way. So for us as viewers, like we love the scene, but we also are super psyched about this marriage. And this is definitely a concept you and I have discussed in regards to your marriage. It's really cool to be excited for the marriage in the same way that you're excited for the wedding. And I think that's how we felt as readers for this. We're like, yeah, I hope this is going to be great that they're married now. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was number nine. 
Number eight, you will not enjoy this. I, you can tell you right now, you're not going to like oh, this. Oh, jeez. This is good. So, uh, I'll just, for the listeners, this has to be from one of basically three shows. This is going to be <laughs> Friends, Big Bang Theory, or much, much more likely, How I Met Your Stupid Mother. So, the final season of How I Met Your Mother, Ugh, from what I gross. understand, is centered around the single event of Barney and Robin's wedding, which... I don't watch How I Met Your Mother, and I know that the show ends in pretty disappointing fashion and basically nullifies this season-long wedding, like, immediately uh-huh. after. But the plotting structure of of focusing an entire season around a single event like that, and it being the location where Ted meets the mother, makes it a pretty important event in what was, like, a nine-season show. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I put it at number eight. No, I, you know, I... This is one of those things when you're, if everybody disagrees with you, you're usually wrong. Yeah. Like you might, I, I know I'm wrong. I get it. I, I know I'm wrong. I hate it, but I do think this was a really important TV show for a lot of people. And the idea of kind of centering an entire season on something like this is pretty cool. I just have one question. Barney is Neil Patrick Harris, yes. right? And Robin is Kobe Smulders. Is the girl, she's agent. What's her name from Marvel? She's Maria Hill in Marvel movies. I, what? Agent those Hill? two get, those two are together? Or I, it sounds I like maybe they don't actually get married in the end from what well, you're saying. They get married, but like in the epilogue, they kind of hand wave it and they're like, yeah, but they get divorced real quick. And then Ted and Robin end up like presumably together at the very end of the series. Okay. So that's what I thought. I always assumed he, I thought those two liked each other. They do, but the whole point of the show is that they both had to go into, like, these other relationships to realize that they actually wanted each other, I think is the, oh boy. Is the concept. That's why so many people were pissed off about it. So, but she's not the mother, right? No. So, there's some other mother, and then after the mother dies, leaves or dies or something, then he ends up with her? Yeah. Well, Whew. presumably, like this show literally ends with yeah. him like it's like it's a callback to the very first episode where he like stands outside of her apartment and basically like asks her out again mm. at the very end of the show. Presumably she'll accept his advances. Well, just like quick comment about setting expectations in a story. It's okay to have a cliffhanger ending if you didn't promise a clear ending. But when basically the title of your television show is promising utter clarity by the end of your show. Yeah. You know, well, let's, let's tie up the loose ends, people. And it's frustrating because the whole time you're building up to like the, 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 the how you met this critical person this really important person in your life and it turns out that while she was she's more or less just the mother of his children and really like the message is his true love all along with someone else and that's really hard to feel as a a viewer because you're expecting like oh my god it's all gonna be worth it all these failed relationships all of these different women you've been with all these other friends you've seen go through marriages all worth it when you finally meet that one person that's for you and to kind of have that taken away from you right at the end like that is kind of hard to swallow yeah interesting well thanks a lot people that's number eight barney and robin from how i met Mm -hmm. sumadre (laughs) i like that better (laughs) i like that better too number seven this in this movie the wedding itself is of almost no actual importance it's everything that leads up to the wedding that matters number seven is the absolutely hilarious film bridesmaids yeah i don't know if this counts but i think it does like this is a wedding movie like they're bridesmaids they're bridesmaids in a wedding absolutely i think that this is one of the definitive 
wedding movies. Yeah. Bridesmaids is one of those movies that made me laugh so hard that I cried on a couple of occasions and like actually peed a little bit, maybe. You can't even be confident which end it came out of. That's <laughs> true. The scene, the the McCarthy scene, where she's sitting with her legs straight out in the sink. It's coming out of me like lava! <laughs> I, there are so many scenes. Like This is one of the most utterly rewatchable movies of all time. The scene, the obviously the Brazilian steakhouse diarrhea scene is incredible. <laughs> to me, for my family... The scene that we all love is the airplane scene. Yes. Because there's just, there's so many great things that are happening. So my brother-in-law's name is Steve. So we all call him Stove and say, Stove, that's a stupid name. <laughs> and then there's the, I'll to say an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's, there's a colonial woman on the wig churning butter. And then, but like, I, this is all amazing. My favorite line is when Melissa McCarthy's real life husband is like, I don't have a gun in my butt. <laughs> Just everything about that scene is amazing. But I think I think what's interesting is this movie definitely takes a different approach than your average sort of wedding movie. And then I think it really downplays the importance of the central marital relationship. Like we don't really know anything about what well, it's not Annie, what's the friend? Annie's friend who she's who's getting married, the Maya Rudolph character. Yeah. I don't know her Wh- name. whatever whatever her name is. Like, we don't basically know anything about her husband and don't really care about it. No. But the point is, like, she has this fulfillment in these friend friendly relationships. Obviously, Annie has a slightly different arc, which is that she needs to find a more adult-like relationship. But, um, I don't know. I like that this one is a marriage movie that's more about the friendships. Yeah, well, I mean, friendships are a really important part of any marriage. Especially, yeah. I think what's cool about one of the cool relationships in this movie is Annie's relationship with her other friend, the one that she doesn't know, and like how that can happen in, in yeah. relationships and marriages. Like you have to become friends with your partner's friends and you get forced into, with, with our group, we all kind of know each other. We've got one big friend group, so we didn't have that. But it's yeah. one of the cool things about marriages in general is that it can introduce some really fantastic people into your life and by the end of this movie i think that's what happens totally but i think even for our group where we do all know each other these friendships sort of reinforce certain relationship or the relationships reinforce certain friendships like i think my friendship with emma for example i don't think that that would have ended up being as fruitful if not for our friendship with quinn and like my friendship with quinn wouldn't have been so strong if not for you guys and it's all sort of reinforcing i think it's cool that it celebrates that those relationships i think you're right on about that amen and it's just it's fun to look back on when melissa mccarthy wasn't just the stratosphere level star that she is now yeah do you know i I forgot this i probably knew this at one time she was nominated for an oscar for this as she well deserved (laughs) oh that scene with her with the puppies oh my god I'm taking this. I'm taking this. I love those fingerless gloves she wears She's perfect. She's a hero. I love her. Uh, she's so great. That was number seven. I have mm-hmm. prepared a not top three. All right, let her rip. Which I will proceed through now. Mm-hmm. Number three. This is a movie I've not seen, shamefully, and I and I need to rectify this soon. Mm-hmm. Number three is The Wedding from Kill Bill, uh. in which the, the protagonist, The Bride, 
mm-hmm. is set sets out on a an act of revenge or a, a an adventure of revenge or a mission of revenge throughout the rest of the film. Yeah. It's not a good wedding. No. This is one that you and I will be watching during next movie weekend cuz I also shamefully have not seen this movie, mm. but I am familiar with kind of the the general outline here and yeah, it doesn't seem like a fun wedding. No. Either within or without the movie. Right. Number two, from a series of books, and this book has been adapted now twice on film, number two is the fake slash real wedding from The Bad Beginning, the first of the series of unfortunate events novels, mm-hmm. in which Violet is put in a play that Count Olaf writes, but everything in the play makes the, the wedding that they're enacting legally binding, except yep. for the fact that Violet writes her name not in her own own hand, thereby negating the vows. Which is very clever. Very clever. But the whole wedding was a ruse, just a way for Count Off to get his hands on their enormous fortune. Mm-hmm. He's always up to something. Have you been watching the Netflix series? No. I don't know why I haven't, but it I haven't. It is such a delight. I could not recommend it more highly. And this one is Neil Patrick Harris's Count Olaf? Yes. Okay. And do I know the kids, or are they not famous? They're not famous yet. Mm-hmm. The highlight of the show is Sunny Baudelaire. The little girl that plays her is, we just and I have agreed, the most adorable child on the face of the earth. Wow. And they know this. The second best thing about the show is Neil Patrick Harris. And the third is the ridiculous detail they paid attention to the actual writing of the book. Like, a lot of it is pulled directly out of the book. They didn't change very much, and they very accurately adapted the kind of eclectic style that handler writes in really really well put together show we love it awesome i think i'll check that one out love it recommend watching that one with longtime girlfriend caroline yeah i think she was a series of unfortunate events kid too i feel like it would really appeal to her design sense too those books as i recall were quite beautiful well the set design and the costumes on this show are are really something also it's very fourth wally and and tongue-in-cheeky it's very yeah. good. Which is what our good friend Lemony did well. Yeah. The last one I think you probably know. The wedding of good Sir Edmure Tully and some random fray girl. Well, so this is so this is my question. This I think gets very much at the question of these weddings. Like, so that would not have been a wedding I would have wanted to attend. Mm-hmm. And it did not certainly have a happy result. No. Even for those who perpetrated it. Eventually, not so happy a result. They were in pies. Yeah, but as far as, like, important, big, impactful weddings goes, I would count this right near the top. So, in our mind, this ought not to be there because it's not a happy situation. That was my reasoning. I don't have any other... Well, that's not entirely true. We'll have to talk about this one more. Okay, I think we should consider it because depending on how exactly we define this... This is either a not top or this is like up near the top, top three. Yeah. All right. Well, let's discuss. Let's discuss. Yeah. In a, a little in more detail later on. That concludes mm-hmm. my not top three. Did you have any more? Um. No. I wanted to give a quick shout to a really bad wedding movie that I did like. I will say I liked it, but it was bad. It's called Something Borrowed. I've seen the film. Yeah. It's with so- John Krasinski. John Krasinski's in it, but the main attraction for us, at least, is that the main guy whose name, I, it's something really douchey in the movie. It's like, ah, shit, I can't remember what it is. But he looks exactly like Dylan. He looks freakishly like Dylan. I'm pretty sure the guy's name in the movie is Dexter, right? Something like that. Dexter, that's what it is. Dexter, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what it was. Yep. So not a fan, but I love that he's in it. I agree. I remember seeing this movie 
right as we were, it was like senior year of high school or right before we went to college. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the, the plot points is that her friend, the one that's getting married, yep. keeps bragging about how that she, how she got into a certain Catholic university. Yeah, I and, do remember that, actually. And then John Krasinski being like, she's full of shit. Like, do you know how hard it is to get into that certain Catholic university? And, like, being very, like, really enjoying that. Because I was, like, a few months away from attending said university. Yeah. I'm currently wearing a shirt from said university. Indeed. Like like a douche. Yep. Very douchey. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's our not top three. Number six comes from our same Thrones universe. Number six is what people are now referring to as the Purple Wedding. The wedding okay. of Tyrion Lannister and Sansa Stark. Which people so, kind of forget that that's the wedding that's happening here. Yeah. That's interesting. So, okay. So, I guess, yeah. Interesting. Much more joy for me as a viewer. Definitely not as important in the pantheon of television events and just, like, basic storytelling conventions. But damn, that was a fun one. I put it on here because it's the the most satisfying villain death maybe ever put on screen. It's yeah, <laughs> I def- yeah, you and I have discussed this probably because we heard it from somewhere else, but like the the fact that Game of Thrones can get you to root for things that otherwise you would not admit to rooting for. So like last <laughs> season all of us were like, "He fucked his aunt! Let's go." We're like all psyched about this incest in the same way that all of us I remember, so you and I had read these, but at least a couple people in the room hadn't. So we realized that Purple Wedding was coming, and we're like, this fucking kid, like this 13-year-old kid, is about to choke to death on his own bile. (laughs) And and we're just psyched. We're absolutely psyched. (laughs) Everybody, I think, who's watched Game of Thrones has the image in their head right now of those spiderweb veins going through his head and his purple red eyes and face. Yeah. And a little little dribble of yellow bile (laughs) coming out of his mouth. And yet all of us are celebrating. Incredible. Yeah. That is a feat of storytelling. It's a testament to how incredibly shitty they made Joffrey on TV. It's really good. Yeah. And he's worse on the show than he is in the books. Like much worse. Truly despicable. Yeah. So that that kid's a good actor. Yeah, oh yeah. I hated him. He's also lest we forget Commissioner Gordon's son in uh The Dark Knight. Yeah, lest we forget. He's great. I'm a big fan. I just I so normally I'd let this go, but I know Quinn's gonna correct this. He's not exactly you're close. He's the little kid in Batman Begins who Batman gives the viewfinder to. I Like I said, normally... Shame on me. No, no, you're close. it's close enough that it's fine to let go normally. I just want to get ahead of this because Quinn will let us have it. So, Quinn, please, leave us alone. I appreciate you throwing Quinn under the bus here. Yeah. I realize that this is this is all you, and I would like to apologize for getting this wrong. You're right. No, no, you're you, right to correct you just me. Miss- no, no, you just misspoke. I know you know what the dealio is. But damn, that kid's never going to be in anything else because nobody can look at him and not just root for him to die. Like, he could, he could play Jonas Salk. He could be on screen curing polio. Like, I don't know. I mean, mate, I've, it's, don't get me wrong. It's possible I'm missing something. As far as I know, Senor Salk lived a pretty faultless life. Everybody agrees it's a good thing that polio has been cured. And we'd all be watching, just hoping he got trampled by a cow or something. Yeah, right. He can't be in anything ever again. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it, also, yeah. sorry, out th- people out there who are history buffs. If it turns out Jonas Salk was actually a really bad guy, I just I didn't know. I'm sorry. He did cure polio. Yeah. I also like to express my delight that we don't have to worry about spoiling Thrones for Dylan anymore because that motherfucker caught up. He's done, Mike. He's all the way through. He's already done. <laughs> he, you know. Yeah. <laughs> on Saturday, Dylan and Jameson and I were walking around through a parking lot. We'd had a few beers. We're talking about Thrones, and Dylan. <laughs> like shouts he goes i knew they were gonna turn him into a white dragon and james and i just had to stop and kind of smile and like pat each other on the back that that was a thing that came out of dylan's mouth with such enthusiasm wow so yeah no nobody ever said dylan was a half-asser no. my goodness yeah and so now we can enjoy our final season with him anyways that's enough on number six yeah number five is such a great movie and gets quoted a lot more than I think maybe it's due. Number five is My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Mm. You've yeah. Se- you've seen this film? Yes. Oh my god. This is a pretty- it's a terrific movie. It's one of our family's particular favorites. It's one of my dad's probably like top three or four movies ever. He loves it. Especially Mr. Portocollis's insistence that any word has its roots traceable back to the Greek language. <laughs> okay, Mr. Portocollis, how about kimono? <laughs> it's such a great movie. The utter certainty with which he speaks about everything is great. Like the, the, uh, Windex, Windex. thing. Like it, it's just, it's utter certainty. And that has great resonance for my family because my grandfather had the same obsession, but with WD-40. Yep. Like, I think there's, I think the great thing about this is it's very much a universal immigrant story. Yes. Like, I think if you were to pull 10 different immigrant groups from all around the world, they would have the exact corresponding thing to the Nick, Nick, Nick Nico, Nicholas. Like, each family would have something like that. And, and all of those little quirks, they'd be, obviously, they're specific to their people, but everybody has that stuff. It's really funny you say that. Allegis has been frustratingly trying to learn the names of all my family members, and it's difficult, because all the men are named Jim or Charlie or Paul, yep. and yeah. it's just a Maltese thing. And, and all the women are named Ag. It's just like, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, every, every immigrant group, every family has some things that are just theirs, and you have to learn to love those things. And that's what this movie is about. Like they couldn't come from more different backgrounds, but ultimately it doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. It's a great movie. Also a really good relationship at the center of it and a really good wedding. I also just really like the wedding itself. Really fun wedding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen this movie probably six, seven times. We used to watch it a lot when I was younger. It's very good. Yeah. Never saw the, never saw the sequel. I, I, would be surprised if it was any good. Yeah, I don't think it was. It's one of those ones where, like, if you're going to bring this IP out of retirement after a decade, yeah, why not bring it out for a really good thing? Like, that's how I felt I didn't see Super Troopers 2, but my understanding mm. is it wasn't great. Like, if you're going to do a Super Troopers 2, that's a beloved movie. It better be really good. And if not, then just let it be. If it looks and sounds and feels like a cash grab, it better not be if you want people to really receive it you know, absolutely, absolutely. Because if if those are all of the things, like it's the same with the Hobbit. Like the uh, Hobbit just sounds like a cash grab. So you're right. You better you better pull out all the stops to make it not feel that way. Like Blade Runner. Have you not seen it yet? Still no. All right. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Okay. Number four. All right. Number four. 
Number four, Dylan may not come to my wedding for putting this movie as low as it is. Number four is Wedding Crashers, <laughs> his favorite yeah. film. This is a hilarious movie and one that I love. We just have a stacked top three. That's all it is. I, I never get tired of this movie. It's insanely rewatchable. It's a absolutely fantastic cast. It's like Rachel McAdams and Bradley Cooper before they were like mega stars like they are now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christopher Walken in there. Isla Fisher. Oh my god. She I mean she steals the show. She's sort of the Melissa McCarthy of this movie. She's just comes out of nowhere, is just totally zany, but just kills every scene. She's the best. And then like it's this is vintage and peak Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. At this movie's you're right. It's really rewatchable. They're definitely I skew towards the first hour of the movie. If I yeah. had to rewatch a part, I'd probably rewatch the first hour. But the every once in a while when I accidentally watch that sort of middle-ish hour, I'm like, oh, I really like this part too. I really like this. And I think a big part of that is because that relationship, that central relationship of the Rachel McAdams and Owen Wilson characters is really good. And on top of that, you remember how good the Vince Vaughn Isla Fisher relationship is too. Yes. And it's just, it's really good. You lock it up. You lock it up. I mean, Dylan, is she still in the house? Like, yes, that's one of the great lines in movie history. They built for speed or built for comfort? Do you motorboat? Play the motorboat game? You motorboat instead of a bitch. You old sailor you. Oh, yeah, you old sailor you is a classic. If you could at some point during the evening's proceedings on Saturday just shout, Jabroni, at the table, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, th- this movie makes such great use of the montage. Oh, yes. Like, there's so, there's several great segments of this montage. They're like montages within montage. Like the him eating cake montage, the them bedding the ladies montage, the them making first contact with the ladies montage. Like, there's just, there's several little tropes that they establish quickly that become really fun to watch them repeat. Yep. Yeah. Great movie. Love it. Yep. Okay. That brings us to our honorable mentions. I have these grouped. Two weddings from television. I have Mm -hmm. the Dwight and Angela wedding, which is a really nice capper to the series. It's a really nice event. We discussed it at length in our Dwight K. Schrute episode. Please go back to that if you missed that one. Mm -hmm. And also Leslie and Ben's wedding, which makes it as an honorable mention just because the, the fanfare surrounding it was so little. And part of that is what makes it so beautiful, like the spontaneity of it. But really fine, really nice moment for two of our favorite characters in TV. Yeah, her dress, so uh, to me the highlights are two, basically. Her dress is just amazing. I love the dress. And Ron punching Jam is so satisfying. So good. Three rom-coms. The Wedding Planner. This is one of those classic McConaughey rom-coms in which... Oh, so great now, especially. (laughs) Yeah, it's pre-McConaissance. I've actually not seen it, but I read all about it today on the internets, and it's very high on my list. Uh, it's just the classic rom-com tale of a wedding planner who's seen a thousand of these weddings and finally has herself fall for a guy. It's an amazing film. One of my favorite rom-coms, if not my favorite rom-com. Wow. A huge, yes, a huge hit in my family because the thing about it is it, it doesn't play with the rom-com genre. It doesn't upend the rom-com genre. It doesn't elevate the rom-com genre. It doesn't do any of the things traditionally associated with like great genre movies. It just is a rom-com. It's wonderful. 
It just is. It's a pure it's expression so of the good. form. Yeah. J-Lo accidentally ripping off a statue's penis mm. in a garden full of statues while helping Matthew McConaughey pick out a marble statue for his wedding. Trey Magnifique. He might have pulled the penis off and then she tries to glue it back on, whatever it happens. Penis is involved. Yes. Speaking of always a bridesmaid, never a bride, another rom-com called 27 Dresses that I saw with some high school friends, girlfriends. It was, I think it was just like one of those things where we wanted to see a movie that was PG-13. I think we snuck into it. I don't know why we would sneak into 27 Dresses. And then like while they were all goofing around, I was really enjoying this movie. <laughs> it's really good. James Morrison is great. Yeah. Heigl's great. My sister Nicole loves this movie, especially the She's Got Electric Boobs. Penny and the Jets karaoke scene. Yep. It's a, it's a good movie. It's pretty solid. Really good. The last one is The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler. Yep. Another good one. Okay, next up is kind of in a category of its own, The Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement. My problem with this movie is that it immediately abandons the love interest from the first movie, which I really didn't care for. And the confusing thing is it's not like they had originally cast Brad Pitt, who then had scheduling conflicts. Yeah. It was some guy. It was like her friend's brother in the first movie. But I mean like the actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, who is this guy? No, But yes, he's just some guy. He plays guitars. He fixes cars. He is totally awesome. He's like, he is great. He's the perfect love interest for her in a way that Chris (laughs) Pine never was going to be. Love Chris Pine. Think he's great in the movie. Fun now to realize that that was Chris Pine. Yes. But, yeah, the first guy was perfect. Like, made total sense. I can't believe how... Incredibly, you nailed that line from The Princess Diaries. Thank you. I love that movie so much. It's really a delight. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last three from cartoons. One is Shrek. I love the wedding because it's the only one I know of wherein the bride turns into an ogre at the altar. It's just, that's a really nice scene. The end of a very yeah. good movie. Yep. A lot about being who you are. Yep. Rugrats in Paris, where Chucky has to prevent... Chucky and Kimmy have to present Chaz and that crazy lady from getting married to each other, and it ends up with that amazing animatronic reptar versus the snail guy fight all through Paris. I totally forgot about that. That was the main storyline, was the wedding. Yep. I've seen that movie a hundred times, and I never get tired of that scene. Last one, just to throw our love of Jimmy Neutron in here... The special where Jet Fusion is engaged to Beautiful Gorgeous. It's enough said about that, but it's a really fun episode. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's get into our three then. Unless you have... Well, we'll wait for yours. Yeah. Number three, one of my all-time favorite movies. I've seen this movie a lot. It's one of my family's favorites. Father of the Bride, starring Steve Martin. I think this is the just nicest wedding movie. There's nothing over the top about it. There's nothing supernatural or over the top funny. It's just a story about this guy who's watched his little girl grow up and the planning of a wedding from his perspective. And it's just a really, really nice movie. Like it's, it's funny, but it's not a comedy. It's dramatic, but it's not a drama. It's just kind of a movie about what being a father is all about. And I can't, I, I, I really love this movie. I, I, I've seen it a lot. Remind me, is there a voiceover in this movie? Steve Martin narrates it. Okay, that was my recollection. I totally agree. I think that some movies are a comedy, some are a drama, and then the category that I like to call is like life. This is a life movie. Yeah. Because life is kind of both, and this is, it's not like a dramedy either. It's not really trying to be a bunch of stuff. It just It's just life. It's just kind of about the way that Steve Martin's life is. 
And I totally agree. It's really nicely captured. I'm sure that there's a lot that you can identify with now, having gone through this process, obviously from a slightly different perspective. But I, I totally get it. I, I really like this movie. This is vintage Steve Martin. It's a really fun stage of his career for this to for this to be because he's coming out of a period of a lot of zany comedies and for him to play the more grounded role in a way that sort of previews the next phase of his career was really cool. Also funny that like 20 years later he was getting married and then having a kid sort of ironic. Um, (laughs) But I love this movie. I totally agree. It has a really nice heart. Yeah. And it's just a nice film. If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend popping it in on a, on a slow, on a slow afternoon sometime. Yeah, it feels like a good autumn movie. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think the wedding in this movie takes place in autumn, and it's a beautiful wedding at their home. In a beautiful... It's Chicago, right? I feel like it is. Even if it's not, it looks like one of those sort of north suburbs yeah. of Chicago. For like sure. Home Alone. It's, it's like Bueller. all of John Hughes' movies are set... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Number two. Maybe the... One of the... Maybe the best episode of one of the best TV shows ever... Jim and Pam's wedding in the office. This Amazing movie, that it lives up to the hype. It really is. It, in a, I remember when this episode came out, even though I didn't watch The Office at the time, it was, it was one of those rare events in like non-serialized television where it's all people could talk about the next day. Like every time, right. every week Thrones comes out, people talk about it. Reality TV is different in a way, but like, a show like this, people don't talk about, like, last night's episode of Parks and Rec or The Office the way that this episode specifically did. Yeah. I think that a lot of things were kind of went right for this to be the big event it was. I think that season five was probably the uh, the absolute viewership peak of the show. It's probably slightly past the creative peak of the show, but not so far past that they didn't still have a lot of good sort of material left Mm -hmm. i think culturally this was like this was when that i think it was thursday nights on nbc was at its height it was right around the time both jenna fisher and john krasinski were kind of getting famous for other stuff it's just like everything went right at this exact moment and they totally nailed it they absolutely the the two-part it felt like an old-fashioned like uh the brady bunch goes to hawaii sort of like event you're right they they brought the event into existence by setting it that way and just killed it. It's it's a really beautiful episode. I, I'm a huge fan of it. I really hope <laughs> that prematurely Cameron shouts, Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time as a couple! <laughs> I really do, too. I wish that he watched The Office, because I think if he did, this would be a no-brainer, but I... It's not really his thing, so it probably won't happen, but maybe, maybe, maybe Ian will surprise us. I was gonna say, don't rule out soon-to-be brother-in-law Ian. By the time this airs, I mean, they'll still air a day after I am wed, so who knows? Maybe by the time people are listening to this, we'll have video of this happening. I don't know. Absolutely. I sure hope so. Me too. Number two, that was number two. Number one, one of my all-time favorite movies, what I know is considered to be an all-time classic legend of a film. Number one for me, anyways, is The Princess Bride. Mm -hmm. Now, the wedding in question in this movie is kind of a MacGuffin where, like, it it doesn't really ever take place. It's just this looming threat of the wedding that is kind of the impetus for our hero, Wesley, to save his Princess Buttercup. Mm -hmm. But this is a really, really 
incredible fairy tale. Like, it's both a parody and an homage to the fairy tale genre. And it's done in such a, such a balanced way that it doesn't feel hokey. Yeah. It, and, but at the same time, like, it is hopelessly romantic. It's a story about true love. Like, that's what this movie is about. Like, this legendary, idealized version of true love that's so beautiful that it can transcend literally anything. It's, I think, even though it's, it's silly at times, I think it's a really sweet movie. And I don't know, like, this is just another, again, another family favorite and marriage like there's just (laughs) so many great lines in this movie too so even though like the wedding itself and you don't see wesley and buttercup get married at the end like bride is in the title and it's it's a movie about true love there's a wedding ostensibly involved it's an all-time classic in my opinion it's the greatest wedding movie ever well like you said it both kind of makes fun of and engages in the genre in a really cool way and probably this like the prevalence of this big marriage plot in a lot of ways can be traced to stories that are like this like you know robin hood king arthur sort of these tales of like daring it's all about the marriage plot and it's really cool to see sort of the root of that nodded to in both a joking and a really respectful way because it's it's pretty central to most of the movies we watch. Like, if you think about probably the majority of movies we watch, whether they're dramas or comedies, follow this same storyline, whether they're as open about it or not. It's cool to see it done to such, like, to the nth degree. Right. So, and, and I just, I love the structure of it, that it's a grandfather reading it to his kid. And more importantly, that the grandfather is Peter Falk. That, well, that goes without saying for you. Yes, of course. So, what about you, Mike? What are your favorite pieces of wedding material? I love the list you came up with. I think you did a really nice job. I've got a couple that I think should be on there, and then a couple that I just want to mention. So the two that I just want to mention, one, Along Came Polly, mm. which is an absolute classic in my house and pretty much nowhere else. That's not true. People like that movie. It's grown because it's had such a good cable run. People yeah. are starting to see it and realize that it's great. And not only that it's great, that it as ridiculous as it sounds, maybe the great performance of Philip Seymour Hoffman's career. It's so dumb to say. I get it. I know he's had other more important things. His role in Boogie Nights was so heartbreaking. He won the Oscar for Capote, like yada, yada, yada. He's absolutely perfect in this movie as an out-of-work former child actor who has hired Kevin Hart, I just realized last time, and Judah Friedlander to film him and submit it to E for any true Hollywood story that they have not commissioned. It's just amazing. <laughs> but the wedding at the beginning, what I like about this is not so much the wedding in the first instance, which is really good, and Alec Baldwin gives a hilariously profane speech, but it's when, after Polly leaves him, Ruben watches the film of the wedding, and he realizes that his... Or, I'm sorry, after Lisa, the first woman, leaves him, he realizes that Lisa wasn't actually ready for this wedding in the first place. And it's like a... It's a really cool reflection on this wedding that I really like. Yeah. So, big fan of the movie, big fan of the wedding. Another wedding that I think deserves sort of honorable mention status is the Indian wedding in Seinfeld. Mm. So, this was one of the few times that Seinfeld sort of experimented with changing its... um, its 
plot formula. So in this one, instead of having a bunch of stories that come together throughout the show, they had a time travel plot, basically, or, or like a, a, a flashback plot, where they start at the end, Elaine is hungover, George and Jerry are fighting, and Kramer is got a lollipop that he's already finished, and he's been cursed by his friend Franklin Delano Romanelski, who they call FDR. And then they, like, work their way back. And it's just, it's a ridiculous episode. It's probably one of the more sloppily written ones. But it's so crazy and fun, and it's so different in the Seinfeld can. It doesn't feel like any other episode. It's really fun, and seeing Elaine drunk is always a great joy. So that's a that's an honorable mention, I think. Cool. I'm working on I'm working my way through Seinfeld. I'm looking forward to getting to this one. Yeah, but two. So two that I think really deserve to be on this list. One, April and Andy's wedding. So I actually of the Parks and Rec weddings, I ride for the April and Andy wedding because it was so unexpected, and they pulled off such a great trick in making us care about and believe in a wedding of two people who had been dating for like a month, which is just a feat of writing that is. With few parallels. That's amazing that they made us actually give a crap about that. They made us believe it. You believed that characters like Leslie and Ron would believe in this relationship and support it. And they just made it all work so well on screen. And Andy wearing a Reggie Wayne jersey is perfect. And April seeing her sister, like, not actually care, but thinking that this is such an amazing outpouring of emotion and she cries. It's... It's just so well done. I love it's called I think the episode's called April and Andy's Fancy Party or something. And they ask people to bring them cooked steak. It's just it's so April and Andy. It's so Parks and Rec. It's so delightful. It really is. I'm kind of surprised I forgot about it. Cause even as a viewer, like it's the even over the course of a single episode, they, it's amazing because it happens and you're the the idea is pitched and you're like, oh no, this seems like a bad idea. You're so as right. a viewer, and then by the end of it, you're like, you know what, this is great. Like in the course of a single episode, they convince you. It's yeah, that's a that's a good one. I I I'm on board with this. Yeah, I'm glad because I, I you're you're so right. It, I, it works on that meta level too for us as viewers. You're like, oh, I don't know, kids, and then you're like, yeah, because it's funny because like it's a TV show. Like, of course it's gonna work out, but when it yeah. first happens, you're thinking like, this can't possibly last. Yeah, and there's already been real stakes that have been established on the show, so you're kind of like, maybe it won't. Cook Who stakes. knows? Yeah, it's very true. So that's one that I think should be on the list. And then my other submission would be The Godfather, which I think deserves mm. to be like pretty high on the list because it introduced us to the concept of, you know, a, a Italian father can't deny anybody's wish on the day of his daughter's wedding. It is the way this movie opens. It opens with Enzo the Baker, his father saying, I believe in America, which is probably the most famous or one of the most famous opening lines in film history. And it opens with the scene with the Godfather sitting at his desk. You meet the cat who's always sitting on his desk. You meet Luca Brasi who's coming in to talk to him. It's you meet all the characters. You meet Michael who comes in in his Marine uniform. You see all these people who are eventually going to be so important to this just at the wedding. Like you see Sal Tessio just talking to people at the wedding and, you see Clemenza eating and eating, and I think he drinks a pitcher of iced red wine, and Sonny's off cheating on his wife with some bridesmaid, and 
Like, you get this introduction to all these characters who you don't know who they are yet, and you meet them all in the course of this one wedding. All the promotional materials for the movie, like the most famous one other than the the Godfather, you know, silhouette, is the wedding photo. Like, that's one of the big promotional things. This is a really famous wedding. It's huge for the movie. It's just obviously perfectly executed. It's great. I love that wedding. Yeah, this continues a a now budding tradition of me shamefully ignoring Godfather material for these lists. Uh, but I this also is a very, very clear inspiration for the beginning of one of our favorite graphic novels of all time, which we will be discussing on a podcast that has already been recorded, but you will not hear it for another week. Stay tuned for that one. Yeah. I can't believe I missed this. This will be high on the list. Absolutely. Uh, and the last thing I want to mention about The Godfather is my dad, especially having grown up in the 60s and 70s, says that this is exactly what big Italian family weddings felt like back then. That's what's so cool about it, because you feel like you're getting an authentic look into it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that those are the two that I would stump for being added. So April Nanny and The Godfather. And I think as I look through this... You know, I think you're pretty pretty much right on. I would probably vote for My Best Friend's Wedding to come off. And then I'd probably go How I Met Your Mother. That's probably my bias of picking that over Bill and Fleur. But I think it's basically two of the last three should come off. I would lean towards keeping How I Met Your Mother because it's the culmination of such a long series and two characters that are involved very, very heavily from the very beginning of the show. Yeah. It's a payoff for millions and millions of people that watched and loved this show and also just structurally is unique. I think Bill and Fleur is a really great wedding, but it's two characters that aren't necessarily main characters in the novels up until the last like two books. Pretty much they're in it a lot. Yeah. And it might be a little biased right now because we're so in deep into the world of Harry Potter at the moment. Yeah. I'd actually be cool with taking off my 9 and 10. I think Bill and Fleur and my best friend's wedding makes sense to come off. I hate to see Bill and Fleur go, Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think that's where these two should be inserted, so let's talk about that. Yeah, so I would say I think The Godfather probably belongs... I think it belongs, like, top three to four-ish, and I think April and Andy probably belongs in, like, the six to eight or seven to nine kind of range. I I would agree with that. Let's let's start at the uh at the top, if that works for you. What do we think yeah. about the red wedding? I think the red wedding should be included and should therefore be very high. Do you think we should sub it out for the purple wedding? It feels weird to have two thrones weddings on here. I think that that's probably the appropriate play. Should we put it as high as like two or three then? Uh, so if so if I were remaking this, I think the Princess Bride is is a comfortable number one. I think you're right. So I would probably go Princess Bride 1, Red Wedding 2. Mm. And then I would probably go... I would probably then go Godfather 3, Jim and Pam, Father of the Bride. Like, I would probably pick right back up. So I would just insert Red Wedding at 2 and then Godfather at 3. I like that. So it would go 1, Princess Bride, 2, Red Wedding, 3, Godfather, 4, Jim and Pam, 5, Father of the Bride. Cool. I... I... I don't know. I I really like Big Fat Creek Wedding. I think that makes sense at, at six. I think I hate to do this because I, I love the characters and I know you do so much, but I actually have a difficult time putting April and Andy over Barney and Robin for the reasons I've discussed. Does does a, a bottom four make sense to go bridesmaids? Wait, what am I missing here? Oh, wedding crashers. crashers. 
Actually, I, I would. I, yeah, no, that's how I had it. I would put Wedding Crashers over Big Fat Creek Wedding. What do you think about that? I I think Wedding Crashers belongs higher because it's sort of taking a different angle than the rest of these, and that it's ex- a little bit like Bridesmaids. It's exploring more of the friendship and sort of the party aspect of it. Agreed. So I, for me, my eight through ten would then go Bridesmaids and Barney and Robin, and then Aunt April and Andy. How are you inclined? I think I would go Barney and Robin. April and Andy Bridesmaids. So I think the reason I would put Bridesmaids at 10 is because it is slightly less of a wedding movie. Mm. I think, but I, I'd be okay with any of that. I, I'm not going to fight you on that. No, I can, I can see that. Cause like Barney and Robin, that's an actual wedding. And April and Andy, that's an actual wedding. And Bridesmaids, yeah. like we discussed, is all about relationships and is tangentially related, tangentially related to a wedding, but doesn't, the actual wedding doesn't matter so much. I but it is funny, that. when I look at this list, it basically covers, unintentionally, but maybe maybe intentionally in your part, all of kind of the different roles and aspects of a wedding. Like, there's your, it's your wedding, you're a guest at the wedding, you're in the wedding party, you're the father of the bride, you're happy, Crashing you're a wedding sad. you weren't invited to. You're crashing, you're being murdered. Like, it's kind of got it all. I like it. It's a wide range of weddings. Yeah. Okay. But luckily... The wedding we are focusing on will only have one of these outcomes. It will be a happy wedding in which you are the groom and I am part of the party. And which, and for which I cannot wait. In the meantime, I will recite what I believe is the definitive list of top 10 weddings in pop culture. Number 10, Bridesmaids. Number 9, The Wonderful Wedding of April and Andy. Number 8, Barney and Robin and How I Met Your Mother. Number seven, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Number six, Wedding Crashers. Number five, Father of the Bride, starring Steve Martin. Number four, Jim and Pam in The Office. Number three, The Godfather Wedding. Number two, The Red Wedding of Thrones. And number one, The Princess Bride. Excellent. Thanks, buddy. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Dog, that's a list. Beautifully done. Cool. I will... See you next week, if you're still keen. I will see you as long as I kill this centipede, uh, millipede, excuse me, <laughs> possibly a blast-ended screw. I don't yeah. know what it is. Stay tuned I'm- after the, stay tuned after the credits on this one, because I will include probably a minute's worth of Mike freaking out about a millipede that wandered across his path during the recording of this podcast. <laughs> and I just want to note, like, as we, as we close this recording, I have no idea where. Yeah, it is. I'm worried for you. I, I have an I have like a 20 pound visual atlas of the world that my sister gave me. That I, have I can't believe like, how big it is. I have it arranged as like a bird trap where I have it leaning against the wall, and the moment <laughs> the millipede comes, I'm just gonna drop it onto this millipede. Got a string attached to it. Yeah, seriously. I'm at the moment I hang up, I'm gonna Google. Oh shit, Mike! Is it, tr- is it right? What? Stop. I'm gonna Google how to how to attract a millipede. Like maybe they like apple cider vinegar, and then I'm gonna kill it. Good luck. I would, I'd be worried if I were you. Thanks, dog. All right. Well, I can't wait for your wedding. Very excited, and I'm glad we get to tie a topic in with it. All right. See you soon, buddy. All right. Adios. Alrighty, friends. That was our top ten for this week. But now we'd love to hear your top ten. So please check us out on all of our available social media outlets, traditional outlets whatever outlets we have. Check us out on Twitter at Top10KM. That's all spelled out, Top10KM. Our email, Top10KM, spelled the same way, at gmail.com. Or our site, 
top10km.podbean.com. All forms of communication accepted, except for serial killer notes. Please don't send us any of those. If you like the pod, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never have to miss an episode of Top 10 ever again. If you didn't like it, please tell us why. We'll try to make the show better. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork was created by Erin Sant. You can check out her stuff at Sant Design on Instagram. Alrighty, goons. We'll see you next week. Hold up. I gotta kill something. I don't know what it is, but it's fucking huge. I'll be right back. I, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. I'm terrified of what this is. Oh, fuck. Ah! Oh my god. Kyle! What do I do? Fuck. Shit. Fuck. Oh no. Ah. Kyle, this thing is huge. It's a fucking millipede. I'm so scared. Did you get him? Okay, I didn't get him.